As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Yo, yo. Welcome to a post-game edition of the Forum Club. I'm your host, Jovan Buha, Lakers beat writer for The Athletic. And we had another anticlimactic thriller non-thriller i don't remember what i called the detroit game uh, but this one was just as bad if not worse the lakers defeated the oklahoma city thunder 119 to 112 in overtime the second consecutive game that the lakers played that went into overtime and third overtime overall uh, across two games but this was an ugly one <laughs> i'm not no way to sugarcoat it like at, at least the detroit one once a double overtime uh, there were some theatrics towards the end. It was high scoring. It was 135-129. Um, you know, th- this one took an overtime uh, for the Lakers to, you know, for, for both teams to, to score over 110. And uh, so t- to start, no AD. AD was out with right Achilles tendinosis, not to be confused with tendinitis. And uh, Alex Crusoe with, with a hand injury. Uh, so both of those guys missed the game. Lakers going from nine guys in the rotation to seven meant that Wes Matthews and Markeith Morris were back in the rotation, rounding it out at nine. Markeith Morris got the start over Kyle Kuzma, uh, which was interesting. And I think is a testament to uh, Frank Vogel wanting to create some level of continuity, right? Because already you were going to have to change the bench lineup with no Alex Caruso. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think keeping you know sliding west in there and still having THT uh, at least gave it some of the same look that 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 new bench group has had you know T, west can come in defend guards or wings kind of similarly to Alex and then offensively is more of a spot up guy you know not going to be cutting and getting out transition as much as Alex but um you know th- there is some overlap there in terms of roles and responsibilities uh where I actually think there's less with, with Wes and THT, but you know, that, that's a different conversation that I've had multiple times uh, on the show. But um, so, you know, I, I guess the story of the night uh, ended up being Wes Matthews, who played 26 minutes, including minutes in the fourth quarter and overtime, uh, ended up hitting four threes for 16 points, was a plus 10, the second best plus minus on the team, uh, aside from Montrezl Harrell, who, who was a plus 15. Uh, but but Wes and Keith 
you know, came in, played well, you know, played well for both guys had not played over the last four games uh, since January uh, 28th in Detroit. Uh, well, you know, and, and that loss was what uh, spurred the change from Frank Vogel of benching those two guys, reducing the rotation from 11 to nine. And both guys came in and, and didn't really miss a beat. I mean, Keith didn't have, I wouldn't say he had a good game. You know, he was one for four, one for two from deep. Only had six points, four rebounds in 26 minutes, which I would guess is a season high. Um, I haven't looked that up yet, uh, but almost certain that that's a season high in minutes from him. Uh, in, in West, you know, in, again, in 26 minutes at 16 points. And I, I thought really showed what he can provide. And it's going to be an interesting moving forward uh, with, you know, how does Frank Vogel now approach the rotation? My first, you know, my, my initial instinct is, is that he's going to just keep it at nine. And, you know, Wes and Keith, like, yes, you guys had, you know, uh, bounce back games or at least, you know, West did Keith, I, I think is still the odd man out in the rotation, you know, pr- probably the 11th man right now. Um, but, you know, I think with, with Wes, it's like, you know, yes, you, you, you had a bounce back game. You contributed like that. That's great. But it was OKC, uh, you know, it, it, one of the worst teams uh, in the West. And, you know, I, I think one of the worst teams in the league. Um, you know, I, I know they've kind of punched uh, above their their weight class record wise. They're, they're ten and thirteen, uh, including seven and five on the road, which means they are three and eight at home. Um, so you know, this team's actually been successful uh, on the road. But you know, I, I think just looking at their talent, um, you know, I, I'm a big fan of, of Shea Gilgis Alexander. You know, I, I covered him his rookie season. Uh, he had twenty nine points, seven rebounds, ten assists. He, he was a beast. Um, you know, was was definitely the second best player on the floor behind LeBron James. But, um, you know, I, I think with Wes, you're still not playing as well as, as THT and, and Alex and, and uh, KCP overall. So uh, and, until we see a bigger, like, who knows, maybe Alex misses a couple, you know, a few games, maybe AD misses a few games. We see this sample uh, of Keith and Wes in more prominent roles in the rotation. And maybe that does, you know, tweak the rotation a bit or uh, it's a situational thing where you know depending on the matchup depending on the size of the opponent uh you know maybe they, they go bigger with Keith or uh you know if it's a more wing or guard heavy team they, they go with west maybe frank stretches it to 10 but i don't think one game alone uh especially what was probably west's best game of the season and against i, I in my opinion one of the worst teams they played this season um, like I, I don't, I don't know if that is enough to vault him back into the nine-man rotation or to stretch it out to ten men. So that's my opinion. I could be very wrong on that. Again, we'll see when AD's back. We'll see when Alex is back. Uh, but but that was a story, right? Like you know, Wes, uh, he he got the game ball afterward. Jared Dudley gave it to him. Uh, he was the last one uh, because he did the Spectrum Sportsnet interview. He was the last one to go into the locker room. And they gave him, you know, a standing ovation and, and were cheering and barking. And, um, you know, that, that was all according to LeBron. So uh, I, I think it was a really cool moment for, for Wes. Uh, and, you know, he's someone who's been outwardly, you know, candid about some of the struggles this season w- with coming off the bench. Is, you know, if you look at his career, for 10 years, he was basically a starter every single season you know, with the exception of his rookie season and for a guy to really go for, I mean, 
he was starting on the best regular season team last season in Milwaukee. And to go from being a starter and contributor on the best team in the regular season to being completely out of the rotation on, you know, the current best team in the regular season or, or second best team rather, uh, you know, record wise, like that, that's an adjustment. And, you know, I, I think Wes is definitely capable of having nights like this, but he also has had some of the duds that we've seen. And all the lineup data suggests that he is someone that, you know, he, he's probably been the worst Laker uh, just in terms of, you know, lineup success, net rating, all, all those things. Like he's been, you know, 10th or 11th in, in basically, you know, however you want to look at it, he's, he's been the, the worst or second worst Laker. So I think, you know, th- there's a lot of reasons to not play him, but I, I do think, you know, it's encouraging. And I, I think it, again, speaks to the depth of this team that, you know, they, they can have two guys not play and, and then have to step in and, and not just, you know, kind of step in eight minutes, 10 minutes, 12, like they both played 26 minutes. Like that is starter level minutes. That is, you know, sixth, seventh men level minutes, just because of, uh, again, who was out in, in AD and Alex, you know, two important guys, two closers. And, we saw Keith and West play minutes down the stretch, and I thought Keith was was fine overall. He, he was okay. Uh, he continues to, to struggle, you know, shooting and, and contributing offensively, but you know, can, still provides multi positional defense and, and some rebounding. And you know, I feel like the, the team is a little more confident and, and tough when he's on the floor. And, and then you have West, who you know hit four threes and ha- had a couple steals, had a block, like. He just made things happen defensively. He was active. He had four fouls, which I honestly don't mind because he had a tough assignment, whether it was Shea, whether it was Hamadou Diallo, Lou Dort, who's, uh, you know, at seven points, but has become a scorer this season somehow. And um, so I think overall, you know, game ball to Wes, he, he deserved it. He had a really good game, but, you know, so did LeBron, uh, which, uh, you know, I've, I've joked about it. Like you can give him the game ball pretty much, you know, a, a, any game you want. Uh, he had his third triple double of the season, 28 points, 14 rebounds, 12 assists, uh, two steals, two blocks. Really took over down the stretch of the fourth quarter. You know, this game does not get into overtime if LeBron doesn't hit some of the threes he hit, you know, getting to the rim, getting to the free throw line. Um, just a, a another impressive LeBron game. Did not shoot the ball well from three. Definitely going to dip that 41% uh, three-point shooting with his two for 10 night. But aside from that, you know, you take that out. He was nine for twelve on two point shots. So a a dominant performance from LeBron. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Dennis, Dennis Schroeder had another 19.7 rebounds, five assists. Another good game from him. Um, You know, I I think defensively got exposed a little bit. It was not an efficient night for him, 6 of 16, but, uh, you know, 1 of 7 from deep, but Lakers could not make a three, uh, nine of 38 overall, 23.7%. But for Dennis, you know, as I've talked about in recent episodes, he's just looking so much more confident uh, offensively. I, I really think he started to figure out the the shoot pass dynamic and, and, you know, what works, what doesn't, depending on the lineup, depending on his teammates, depending on the time of game. Uh, so I, I think overall, 
you know, Dennis is trending in the right direction. And it, you, you really are seeing why the Lakers brought him in, you know, why they were willing to give up a first round pick. You know, it, it is a steep price to give up a first round pick, even if you are going to theoretically be a bottom five or, or bottom three pick in the first round. You know, giving up one of those picks is valuable. You, you just, you know, those are, uh, you know, cost controlled uh, contracts that, uh, you know, depending on your draft success, which the Lakers have had a lot of draft success, you know, really specifically in the late first into second round range in, in the past, you know, five, six years, like they've had a lot of success there. So for, for them to give up a, a pick for an impending free agent in, in Dennis, like, I think it, it showed how confident they were in his fit and we're really starting to see it. Like, you know, we, we had seen flashes of it, um, you know, throughout the season, but I think the last five, six games, he's really coming to his own offensively throughout most of the season. He, he's been pretty solid defensively. And I, I just think he's hitting a really nice groove where, uh, you know, he, he's the team's third best player, I think in the aggregate and, and, you know, might not be every night, but overall you're seeing why, you know, he, he got the starting job, why he's being talked about potentially getting an extension in the, uh, you know, 15 to 17 million range uh, annually. And, and you know, why um, he, he's kind of been the the third you know, shot creator on this team and, and his value in that. So another good game from Dennis and another good game from Trez, uh, 21 points, eight rebounds. Similar to Dennis has really been coming into his own over the last couple of weeks. Uh, this game coming with no AD, I thought, you know, Trez did a, a good job, not so much defensively. Like, I, I think there, there were a lot of issues. The Lakers gave up 60 points in the paint. Uh, you know, when you look at uh, the Thunder made 43 field goals, 12 of those were threes, uh, which, you know, would leave 31 remaining field goals and 60 points in the paint. So 30 of their... 31 two-point makes came in the paint. And that is just inexcusable. Uh, you know, the, the rim protection without Anthony Davis was just god-awful. And part of that problem was Trez. But he did have 21 points. Uh, the Lakers were able to run some ISOs, run some post-ups for him down the stretch in, in the fourth quarter uh, in overtime. And, and he just abused Darius Baisley whenever the Thunder were going small. Not as successful against Al Horford, but he still was able to take him off the dribble a couple times. And I just think to have a guy like this is this is where you see the value of Trez, where uh, you know AD is not playing, so no, he's not going to replicate his defense, he's not going to replicate his rim protection or, or even his rebounding necessarily, but he can be that ISO post up guy for you. And you know it, it does help that this was a lottery team and, and this wasn't a team that. Um, you know, he, he was necessarily, you know, asked to do too much defensively in, in terms of like guarding an Embiid, guarding a Jokic, like someone like that. There was, it was either Darius Baisley, Al Horford, um, you know, Kenrich Williams, like guy, guys like that, Darius Miller, like guys like that. But, you know, Trez being able to give you that steady diet of offense and really be, uh, in this case, the, the second leading scorer behind LeBron and a guy you can, you know, a guy who can get you a bucket late. Uh, and and you, you haven't really seen that in the AD lineups, which is why I'm not as big of a fan of, of closing games with Trez. Um, you know, personally, like I'd rather go, I'd rather downsize the, the way the Lakers have and go with that AD LeBron, 
KCP, Dennis, Alex lineup. And if they want to go a little bigger, I'd throw Keith in there. Uh, I'd throw Kuz in there. Uh, maybe I'd throw Wes. Uh, take out one of the two guards. You know, d- depending if you need offense, I-, I think you take out Alex. If you need defense, I, I think you take out uh, Dennis. But it, you know, it's all matchup and, and context based. But um, I think you know. So I- I'm not a big fan of Trez next to AD just because I-, I think he he you know he's not a spacer. And when you're involving Dennis, LeBron, and AD in so much of the offense late, uh, I-, I don't love. Trez just kind of hanging out in like the short corner or the dunker spot or, um, you know, just, just sort of standing there because then his guy can help off. And, um, you know, I think that it crowds the pain a little bit. So I, I'm not a fan about that. But if AD is out, you know, I, I think I actually look at Trez as, as the main guy, not not Kuz, who had a really rough shooting night, 5 of 16, 1 of 9 from, from 3, only 11 points. So he did have uh, 10 rebounds. I, I look at Trez in particular as the guy who should step up when AD is uh, is out, right? And you saw that tonight. You played 30 minutes. Um, that was the fourth most minutes on the team. And he, I, I thought he played well. You know, and again, lottery opponent, um, not the best competition, but those are actually the teams that that Trez just dominates. If if you look at some of his splits, uh, go back to the last couple of seasons with the Clippers, like. He destroys lottery teams. So I, I think, you know, it makes a lot of sense why he, he played more and, and why he played so well. Uh, let's get into the Q&A section. I think that's that's it for my thoughts on the game. I mean, overall, I, I would just say another lackadaisical performance on the Lakers where they didn't really turn it on uh, until, you know, the last six minutes of the fourth or so. Uh, definitely part of that was, was the legs of, um, you know, having a double overtime game against Detroit. And, and that definitely sap some of the guys uh you know no ad no alex so the defense was worse right like those are for, for my money your two best defenders um and, and even statistically you know two of your most impactful defenders in, in terms of defensive rating and stuff uh so you know it makes sense why they would struggle defensively why they'd give up 60 points in the paint to uh one of the worst teams in the league but i i think the effort could have been there because you you saw how much they flip the switch and, and turned it on over the last six minutes or so. And then going into overtime, like that effort, I, I think for larger stretches of the first 40, 42 minutes, uh, you know, this is a different game and, and maybe they win in regulation. So that would be my, my two cents on, on kind of the, I guess, macro thoughts on the game, but another win Lakers are up to five wins in a row, uh, uh, 19 and six at uh, 19 and six overall, which is second best. Uh, in the West and, and second best in the league behind Utah. And now they're seven and four at home. So they're starting to pad their home record and get the wins that uh, they, they did not get at the beginning of the season. Q&A portion. Let's get into it. I've been getting multiple questions on, on the three-point shooting. I will, you know, just touch on that here because there's looking like two or three questions asking about that. The three-point shooting, the Lakers were due for some regression. I mean, I think there was a point where they had like five or six rotation players shooting over 40% on threes, and that's just not sustainable. So I do think that you're going to have stretches where you shoot the ball well, where you don't shoot the ball well. This stretch is a little concerning because it's not only coincided with them shooting worse, it's coincided with them shooting less threes. And I think if anything, the Lakers should be taking more threes. 
you know, like I, I do the, the state of the Lakers piece, which will be coming out this week where I, I look at, you know, every 10 to 10 to 12 ish games, uh, I do a check in 10 storylines uh, of what's going on with the team. And through the, the first 10 games or so, I said the three point shooting is legit. And I still believe that, but it's a little concerning in, in that they, I think they should be taking more. You know, that, that, that's where more of my concern comes because that, that was what I had originally said was I just felt like, you know, it's, it's legit, but they could take a few more. Like they, they should be in that 35 attempt range per game. Whereas now they're, they're below 30 attempts a game. And that to me, you're leaving a lot of points on, on the board. Um, and I, I know how dominant this team is in the paint, right? Like that is their superpower. You have LeBron James, uh, arguably the best penetrator of all time. Like, uh, you know, I would put LeBron up against anybody in, in terms of going downhill and getting into the paint. Uh, you know, the man, even at 36 years old, still does it. Uh, you know, not, not as frequently as he used to, but he's, you know, LeBron going downhill against you is still one of the scariest things, if not the scariest in the NBA. Uh, you, you have Anthony Davis, who has been scoring at a career best rate in the post. Uh, one of the best finishers in the league. One of the most athletic bigs. And he's dominant. And then you got now Dennis, Trez, um, Alex and KCP and, and, and Talon as cutters and, and out in transition. And like you have a lot of guys who can go downhill, get into the paint, finish at the basket. So it makes sense why that is the, the bread and butter of the Lakers offense. But at the same time, just with the way the modern game is, it is hard to get into shootouts with teams and, you know, lose the three point battle by eight, you know, eight makes, 10 makes and, and, and still be in those games. Like you're going to have to rely on very high efficient shots and a lot of free throws. And, and again, those are two of the Lakers strengths. So there's a reason why they, they can still win those games and a reason why they, they still win despite often having their opponent, you know, take and make more threes than them. But it, it is a trend that I think can be a little troubling against the best teams in the league, especially when looking at those teams, like, you know, the Clippers, the Jazz, the Celtics at full strength, the Nets, the Bucks, the Heat, like th- those teams can light it up from deep and, and the Lakers have proven they can. But I, I do think in a seven game series with one of those, you know, five or six teams, like you can blow a game or two by them getting hot from deep and you just not taking enough to keep up with them. And that is for better or worse, the reality of the modern game is what made the Warriors so dangerous at their peak was not just the actual, you know, there was the obvious talent that they had of of having four all-star, all-NBA guys, but it was that they were always going to win the three-point battle with you. And sometimes it would just be an avalanche. And it was like, you know, they're, they're putting up 20 plus threes. And how are you supposed to keep up with this team when they just have this, you know, historic blend of, of of shooting. So I don't think the Lakers need to become the 2019 Rockets and, and attempt 40 plus threes. But I, I do think that they need to ramp it up a little bit. And that to me is a little bit of my concern. It's not so much the percentage. I think it's going to ebb and flow. I think they're going to be fine. They're taking a lot of good threes. They're getting open threes. So I'm not really concerned about that. For me, it's more the attempts and the fact that that has started to drop. 
when it was already pretty low, that would be my concern. So th- that to me is something to watch over the next 10 to 15 games. Do the Lakers figure that out somehow? Or is this really a, a thing that, you know, th- they're dealing with just, you know, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's a lack of confidence, guys struggling, and, and then they start passing up looks. But, you know, this is a team that passes up a lot of good open looks for, from deep. And uh, I think that that needs to change. And again, I don't know what the magic number is, but for me, they, they should be in that at least 33 to 35 range attempt overall on average. Okay. Uh, Nicole Ganglani uh, at Nicole Ganglani. Should we be worried about 80s Achilles injury? Despite Frank Vogel saying it's not that big of a concern. Is this something similar with what Kevin Durant went through? before he went down with the Achilles injury? That's a good question. Uh, I don't know the answer to that. Um, this is obviously a a fresh injury that no one was really aware of uh, until about 48 hours ago. So I, I, I wish I could give you a better answer on that. I think we will have a better sense of the severity of 80s injury you know, over the, the coming days, you know, re- really the rest of, of the work week. If he ends up sitting now, granted, the Lakers are playing, you know, not great competition. It's OKC again. Then it's Memphis on Friday. Then it's Denver on, on Sunday, Valentine's Day. Uh, so, you know, I think the, ne- the next couple of games are games that AD can rest. So I don't know if it's going to be the best barometer to say, hey, if he rests, that means it's it's serious. But I think that if he rests, you know, there could be a healthy level of concern there of, okay, like this wasn't a just, oh, it's a little tight. Maybe he tweaks something like it could be something more. Now, that said, I I think the Lakers would have said that. I I feel like Frank has been pretty transparent. Um, And and I I think if you see the the public comments from from other teams, they will say guys day to day, they'll, they'll say he's fine. And then he misses a week two weeks, four weeks. So the Lakers have not done that. Like they, they always list LeBron and AD on the injury report, but they, they tend to play. You know, AD's missed a few games. LeBron hasn't missed any. Uh, but, you know, aside from that, the Lakers have been pretty transparent. I guess the Caruso situation was a little up in the air, but that's just due to the nature of, of COVID and, and contact tracing. And then KCP, I felt like they, they were pretty transparent about that. So. I think that, of course, there is some risk here. Anytime there is an injury, there is a risk of it being worse than you think it is, that there's a risk of the team not fully telling the truth. But I'm not really concerned about that yet. So I would say I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that AD is going to be fine. Now, if there is something there, that could be part of the reason why he hasn't physically looked himself offensively and, and hasn't been as explosive and, and quick and, and just as dominant as he was last season and in previous seasons. So who knows? Maybe maybe there's something there and, and this is the reason why and they're finally addressing it. I, I don't know. That's pure speculation. But we will see, you know, if he misses Wednesday, if he misses Friday, uh, okay. You know, maybe it's precautionary. Maybe maybe it's serious. Like, we'll, we'll see. And then does he play Sunday? You know, Sunday's a big game. It's in Denver. Uh, I think, you know, it's a potential home court team that the Lakers could be playing. Uh, it's a, a MVP showdown between LeBron and, and Nikola Jokic, who are, you know, right now, it seems like the top two candidates for MVP. You know, that game matters for LeBron. It matters for the Lakers. So, you know, if AD misses the rest of the week, like, uh, again, I, I think that that's when it starts to be a little concerning. So 
I want to see how the rest of the week plays out before I make any judgments on that. But for now, I would say I'm cautiously optimistic that I don't think it's too serious. Freddie Jr. Lopez, uh, Freddie uh, Freddie Lopez uh, J on Twitter. I know it's only a game, but should West be given the nod over Keefe to get a spot back in the rotation, even when AD Cruz are back? So I, I touched on this a little bit earlier in the pod. I would say Wes is definitely the 10th man and Keefe is the 11th man. I think there's ways to find one of the two in the rotation. Like there's ways to create minutes for one of the two in the rotation. And I, I think that's, uh, you know, if, if Mark is in foul trouble, if Trez, maybe it's not the best defensive matchup or the Lakers just want to space the floor better, you go to Keefe. Uh, on the wing side, if Kyle isn't having a good game, if KCP isn't having a good game, uh, if if Alex isn't having a good game, or one of those three is in foul trouble, then you go to Wes. Um, you know, I, I think I, I and I've said this before. I, I think I, I view THT and Wes as, as two different types of players. I think THT is more of a, a ball handler, playmaker, shot creator. So I, I you know I, I view Wes more in the KCP, Kyle Kuzma, Alex to an extent. To, to a lesser extent, uh, type role where it's 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 three and D, right? Like it, it's you're you're going to defend twos and threes. You're going to take a lot of threes, spot up, uh, you know, occasionally cut. And with West, not not as much getting out in transition, but I, I I view like I view it more specifically. Okay, KCP has four fouls. We need some wing defense. Throw in West. Um, or, or Kyle is just not his night. He's really struggling. Let's throw in West. Like, I, I think you can find minutes and pockets of game uh, script there with those two guys. But in terms of like one of the two breaking back into the rotation fully, again, I, I just think it's too early. And, and, and this was, to me, it was not an impressive opponent. So had this been Denver, had this been the Clippers, Utah, Brooklyn, like maybe I, I give it a little bit more, you know, juice. And I'm like, okay, maybe Wes deserves it. But this was his best game of the season. And it came against the lottery team with AD and, and AC out. So I don't want to read too much into that, j- just to be perfectly blunt. Again, I, I think Wes is ahead of Keefe. I think there are more reasons to play Wes, especially against teams like the Nets and the Clippers and, and Celtics that have a lot of wing depth and, and scoring. But besides that, he's like the nine and a half. Like it's going to be like a nine and a half rotation, man rotation, where you have the nine guys and, and then, you know, every every other game, you're, you're playing like a 10th guy. Um, and it's probably going to be Wes. I'll close it on this one. Uh, from DJ at DJ Martinez. Does this performance magnify 80's impact on the defensive end? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes, it does. I mean, it's 80 and AC because again, if they were missing one of them and had this performance, I think you could then point to like that one guy really having the impact. Of course, you know, AD has a bigger impact than Alex because, well, for one, he's a better defender. For two, he plays a more important defensive position and, you know, just overall plays more minutes, has a bigger role. But I, I do think that this game really magnified that. Like that, that was one of my big takeaways from the game was that without Anthony Davis, you know, this team is is pretty ordinary defensively. And of course, like, you know, you could say that, uh, take any star off of any team and they're going to be worse. You know, like take Rudy Gobert off of Utah. I mean, okay, now all of a sudden they're uh, pretty beatable defensively. So I think, you know, I'm not breaking any like news there, but I think 
it was a reminder of for all the struggles that AD has had and all the criticism he's taken from from Laker fans and, and other fan bases of being overrated or whatever. Um, like he he's still so valuable to this team defensively. And that was one of the things I tried to touch on uh, on my piece on 80s evolution, which I, I hope you guys have checked out on The Athletic, uh, w- which is that, you know, no, he, he's not scoring as much. He's not taking as many shots. He's not having as efficient of a season as he's had in, in recent years uh, from an offensive perspective. But he's doing these things to expand his game, passing, three-point shooting, uh, perimeter defense, leadership that don't necessarily show up in the box score uh, all the time, but I think are making him a well-rounded and better overall player. You know, aside from his offensive exploits, this is still a guy who is an elite defensive player of the year caliber defender, is a very good rebounder, is a guy who will draw a lot of attention on the post and the mid post, the elbows. Like even if he's not scoring, he's drawing so much attention. Uh, you know, so much gravity with his ability to score in the post, with his ability to get offensive rebounds, to finish lobs, uh, to score from basically anywhere inside the three-point line, and even now expanding his game beyond the three-point line. Uh, that, you know, I, I don't think it's fair to just look at, oh, well, he's only averaging 22 points a game and, and taking his fewest shots since his second season that, you know, 80s overrated or he's regressed or whatever. Like, I, I think... Tonight showed like without him, the Lakers are very vulnerable defensively. You can exploit Montrezl Harrell and, Mar- and Marcus Sol in the pick and roll. You can attack the rim against them. Uh, same with Markeith. Same with LeBron or Kuz if, if they're the five or, or if they're the four without AD. So I, I think it showed like the Lakers are the number one defense in the league because they have Anthony Davis. If there's no Anthony Davis, you know there are very few guys who could step into his role and replicate it defensively. I'm not even going to bother to try to name them. Like, I don't know, Rudy Gobert, Joel Embiid, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Bam Adam. Like, I don't even know if Bam qualifies, but the, the list is very short. And like, you know, Embiid is not as mobile as AD. He's not as good as defending uh, at defending perimeter guys, right? Like Giannis is probably the closest, but they are, you know, different. Def- like Giannis doesn't always guard the, the primary assignment the, the way AD has this season a lot. And then Rudy Gobert, of course, is also not as mobile and is more of a rim protector than a, a guy who's going to be flying around the court and, um, you know, defending guards and wings. So I, I think AD's versatility and, you know, his ability to both defend wings and guards and, and lock them up and then also protect the rim and uh, serve as, as one of the most intimidating interior presences like that, that's very valuable. And, and the Lakers really missed that tonight. So, um, we'll, we'll close it out on that, but I, I think it's it's a good reminder for people who've been down on AD uh, that there are two sides to the ball, and you know though he has not even been necessarily his same level defensively, he's still very very elite. He's still been a top ten, if not top five defender. Uh, a lot of metrics suggest he's been a top ten offensive player, and, and most all in one metrics paint him as like a top seven to five player overall this season. So. I think that the sky's the limit with AD. He's only going to get better uh, in terms of, you know, getting into better shape, getting into better rhythm uh, and, and just kind of fighting the old AD as he's talked about at times. So I think this was just a reminder of, of how good he is, especially defensively and how important he is. So on that note, thank you guys for listening. As always, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Yovan Buha. It's at J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A. If you have any questions, as always, you can reach out to me. If you have not subscribed to this podcast yet, you can do so on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
The Athletic, anywhere you get your podcasts. If you've not subscribed to The Athletic, you can do so by going to theathletic.com or subscribe off of one of my stories on Twitter. I will be back on Wednesday to talk more OKC basketball. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Thank you, guys.